Welcome to a Wholeness Podcast, a healthy home for hair professionals and our clients, where health and happiness is the top priority for those within the hair industry. Serving those who serve and giving the hair industry one great big hug. Hello, I'm your host, Fliss Downs, a barber, yogi, and meditation teacher. Come on in. Before I crack on with today's episode, if you haven't done so already, please hit the follow button on Spotify or on iTunes and leave me a star rating and review. By doing this, you will be helping me reach a wider audience and get the message out there sooner rather than later. I'd also like to mention that this podcast is proudly sponsored by Earth and Soul Pizza. So if you are local to or traveling through Bairnsdale, use my promo code LOVEFLISS. That's L-O-V-E-F-L-I-S-S. And get yourself a free large pizza when you buy one. With locally sourced produce and food exceptionally made by the team at Earth and Soul Pizza, be sure to get your wholesome and blissful pizza, or pasta for that matter. I have become obsessed with the chicken and mushroom pasta dish, best with spaghetti. Okay, so two weeks ago in episode 29, I welcomed Lisa onto the podcast. If you haven't heard it yet, go back and give it a listen. You would have heard Lisa talk about her cousin Daniel and how he could enhance his bike shop for the community here in East Gippsland. Just so happens, a Wholeness podcast is partially recorded at Bairnsdale Bikes up in Daniel's studio. And today's episode was recorded in the studio with the one and only Daniel the founder of Bairnsdale Bikes. It was an absolute honour to have this legend of a man on a wholeness podcast. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have got to where I am with this podcast. Daniel is a man who, when he sees a spark in someone, he will do his utmost to give that person an opportunity and that's exactly what he's done with myself. A year ago, I shared with Daniel my dream of having my own podcast and he helped me bring that into reality by letting me use his studio, encouraging me and believing in me. For the last six years, Daniel has created a true hub for the community here in Bairnsdale. With his team, Tom and Reed, the bike shop consists of bikes to buy, of course, skateboards, apparel, a workshop for your bike to be oiled and fixed up, the recording studio, which is where I am right now, and all in all, a place for the community of all ages to come and feel at home. It was an honour to have this conversation with Daniel. He's someone who has had my back ever since I began cutting his hair and now we've built a friendship and I spend time with his family. Prior to Daniel founding Bairnsdale Bikes, he was a car salesman for 20 years and he describes life better on two wheels. I saw a side of Daniel I hadn't before. He shares his beautiful upbringing, why he gets frustrated, the deep love he has for his family How in his career, he too, like hair professionals, has been a therapist to his customers and what he wishes to do for the community within the shop. He's someone who gives to the community and is a role model to the youth. The biggest message I took away from this conversation with Daniel was stay in an educational state and contribute towards society. As much as bikes aren't related to the hair industry, I truly feel this conversation is a parallel to the hair industry with many things that are relatable and in correlation to our forever growing industry, such as being a therapist to others, building rapport and relationships, education, forever learning, contribution and community. And this one is a biggie. 
we discuss the female population in a predominant male environment. I was really fascinated by this part of the conversation, especially as I'm a female in the male dominant side of the hair industry, being a barber. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and if you enjoy it, please do share it, follow and leave a review. Let's get stuck into it. Wait for it, he's going to be humping it in a minute, Daniel. Zuma? <laughs> Are you comfortable now? <laughs> After all of that? What are you doing? <sighs> just rest. Why, why don't you just rest up, Zuma? Rest up. Oh, my goodness me. Come on, Daniel. Tell me your whole life story. You're recording? I'm recording. I've been We're recording on. for the like, last one minute. Oh, whilst Zuma whilst was... <laughs> Fapping around and enjoying himself. I actually thought he was going to hump that cushion for a second, actually. He's never been a humper. Are you being serious? He's never humped? He's never been a humper. Even when he's like a baby? No, he's a gentleman. <laughs> he's a gentleman. He bloody ignores me. He's a noble Steve. He ignores me. He's like, no, Sorry. don't talk to me today. Don't stroke me. You don't, you're, oh, you don't have food? No, Zimmer, I don't have food. Well, I don't want nothing to do with you then. Yeah, you've got no business talking to me, unless you've got tuckers. <laughs> How are you, Fliz? I'm good, thank you, my lovely. I'm very excited. How are you, buddy? I'm excellent. Excellent? Hmm. What makes you excellent? No, it's natural, I guess. <laughs> I'm excellent. My name's Daniel and I'm excellent. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just, ha- I'm just good. Positive good. outlook. Yeah. Nothing to whinge about. Have you ever gone through a phase in your life where you've whinged about things like consistently? All the time. Like greenies. <laughs> I whinge about greenies. Right. They, sh- they shit me. Um, why why do the greenies shit you? Oh, because it's their way or the highway. We should that you know what we need to do now? We need to have a button of ACDC. <laughs> Is it ACDs that does the highway song? Yeah, they do Highway to Hell. And I'm not sure. Highway green, to Hell. I'm not sure well, Greenies deserve to go to hell, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit harsh. Please. Oh, what about. No, well, they might. <laughs> maybe. Hang on. What's the other song that I'm thinking of? Not Nirvana. Iron Maiden. What's Iron Maiden? Run to, Run the, to the hills. hills. Oh, God, I just love that song. Well, it's got nothing to do with Highway to Hell. No, that's very true. <laughs> Rambler. Being a a, um, a business owner, yeah, come I, on, I don't accrue holidays. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> but you chose to be a business owner. Yeah, I'm happy to work though. I think I just said before, I just want to get up in the morning. Yeah, and I want to go to work. Yeah, and then I want to go home. Have you always been like that? Yeah, I love working. I like getting a sense of achievement. Mm-hmm. And uh, a good solid day's work does that. Lose your way every now and then, but I walked out of school at 16 and started working at lunchtime. Yeah. Got a job Got a job at, during my lunch break and didn't go back to school. And that's what I've been doing ever since, just working and having a little bit of fun along the way. Got a pretty awesome family in there. Yeah. Started from the age of 16. So then what did you do from the age of 16? What were you doing on your lunch breaks? What lunch breaks? Didn't you say that you was working during your lunch my break? My life was a lunch break, though. Like I spent nearly twenty years hamburgers. I spent nearly twenty years selling cars. So that's right. Do you know what I was just thinking? What was you doing before this? We work too hard. We work a different kind of hard. We work twenty four hours a day, flapping our gums and networking. Did you actually enjoy being a car dealer? Hang on, car salesman. Yeah, I loved it. 
love the, the different people you meet um, and their different stories. And I think, well, I'm not sure about every car salesman, but mm. definitely the few that I learnt my trade from, mm. you definitely have like therapist written on your forehead. So a lot of people will just open up and tell you their life story mm-hmm. while they're buying a car from you. Peter Trimnell used to say, I've never sold a car in my life. People just buy them off me. I always like that. I reckon that's a pretty good summary of how I've always been in the retail world mm-hmm. is I've never really sold anything to anyone. I've told them what they need to know about what they're looking at. Um, and people have just bought stuff. They've been pretty comfortable around Pretty co- well, I try to make people pretty comfortable or even sometimes I make people comfortable by being putting making them uncomfortable. Oh, um, how that's back to front though, how? It seems back to front but sometimes when you're, I don't know, sometimes you're a little bit brutally honest, people get comfortable pretty quickly. I guess it breaks down the barrier, right, doesn't it? Pretty much. If you, if you blow that barrier right out of the water then people get very comfortable very quickly. Yeah. Because they have to. Well, it's no more, I guess it's putting that fear out of the way, isn't it, straight up? Yeah. Barry's gone. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's how it works. Okay, so you're a salesman Mm -hmm. from your teenage years in the car industry. Yeah, so I started fitting tyres for... Bobby Thunder down at Bridgestone in Bensdale. Mm. And then uh, from there I went to Canberra and then got a job in at Canberra Toyota, mm. uh, d- you know, washing cars and detailing cars and then started working for free on Saturdays if someone would teach me how to sell cars. So I uh, worked every Saturday and Sunday pretty much for free trying to learn my craft and then pretty soon I got a job selling cars full time and then that's where I was pretty much from 1999 all the way through to five years ago. Five years ago you started Bansdale Bikes. Yeah. What was the transition between selling cars to then wanting a bike shop? Well it's the same thing really isn't it? Um, I got, so the beautiful thing about the bike shop was I got to build I got the opportunity to start building our own community Mm -hmm. again. And, yeah, so I I really enjoyed that. Yeah, bikes are all – they've always made me happy. They're fun. When you get on a bike, it's just fun. I think it's a bit like – not that I can really relate to surfing, but the way that I envision it – do you remember I told you once that I wanted to be a stunt woman when I was younger? And I've always wanted that sensation of the thrill that you would get from doing a stunt. And I think – when you talk about having that fun on a bike and things, is the way that I can imagine it is as if a surfer, when you're surfing, there must be nothing that beats that feeling when you are riding a wave. And I feel like when I watch people doing stunts on bikes, and obviously you do your downhill bike, don't you, in all your tracks? What is it called? Bit of everything. You go do it of everything? Yeah, I, get a, I, I get into a little bit of everything. So just, like, I don't know, life on two wheels is just better. But I think, I think it's all about, you know, you talk about the surfing and that sort of stuff. I mm. think it's, it's more about getting in, into the, yourself into that flow state. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Like it, Even when you're riding a road bike or you're training mm-hmm, and you're mm-hmm. in a road bike and your, mind, your mind's actually not even on the job, but yeah. you get into this state where you're just doing it mm. and you're not even thinking about it. But um, you know, by the time you're... 
you, you actually sort of start getting conscious again. You've already come, you, you've just done a hundred kilometers on your road bike or something like that. But and, and, and you're happy. You've got the indoor, you know, the, the endorphins yeah. are running, and you know you sort of you get a bit high on it, I suppose. But are you getting that, like, I get this sensation that if you're a surfer or if you're doing a stunt on a bike, I think doing a stunt on a bike is very different to being on the road and doing, like, 100K because I think when you're doing 100K on the bike, not speed, I mean kilometres, like, distance, it's just, like, this repetitive thing, isn't it? It's, like, goes into a meditative state. Whereas when you're doing a stunt on a bike, this is just what I'm imagining, the thrill and the technicality that you've got to have to do a stunt and then once you've done that stunt that like the the endorphins or the dopamine like rushing through you well, the adrenaline puts yes you adrenaline and that's massively. it so it's a bit different so if you're you still get that just you just get it in a different way so whether you've, it's hard to explain to someone that hasn't put their body through hell and come out the other side of it so like if you're on a road bike and you're trained up and you're training, you're training, you're training, and so that you can do a 300-kilometre ride mm. or a 180-kilometre ride where you're riding up and down, up and down hills, and your legs are literally burning, your core's burning, everything's mm-hmm. burning, and it's when you get off that bike and you've accomplished something, the adrenaline is still there. Like it's, I guess, in all those sports, it, you know, and everyone shifts on and it shifts, you know, too. So, the only thing that I can relate to that is when I ran my half a marathon. But I still feel like it's going to be a different sensation versus that. When are you doing this? Oh, no, I've done my half a marathon. Oh. I did it back in 2016. So, I was training for like nine months leading up to the half a marathon. And then actually on the day of doing my half a marathon, I felt like, I guess because in my training, I got up to about 17K and like half marathons, you're 21 point something. So I was, I had, I finished that half marathon and I did feel like this sense of accomplishment, but I didn't get the hit that I wanted to get. It's almost like I'm still constantly chasing for that hit, that that sensation. Do you feel like... Athletes are... That's an athlete. Like they're always looking for mm. better, further, longer, harder, tougher. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a journey of sport, isn't it? And that's a journey of life. Yeah, you're <laughs> always you know ticking boxes all the way through. I think it takes an extraordinary person to just roll through life and just be super chill about everything. Everything. Do you feel like you're chilled about everything or is there things in particular that you're no, not so chilled about? I get about? stressed out a lot. I get pretty angry at times. <laughs> um, <laughs> part of the time I get pretty angry. Yeah, maybe, not, maybe not angry, passionate. No, I get angry. Effing <laughs> <laughs> and blinding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do lose it a bit. Mostly chilled. My brother's real chill. Yeah. My youngest brother, he's real chill. My middle brother's probably a bit more like me. He he loses his shit a fair bit. And I think maybe, like, I encourage, in talking to kids now, like, coming through, mm-hmm. I encourage them all to stay in an educated state longer. Now, that doesn't mean you have to stay in school. No. But educate yourself. Educate yourself. Don't do what I did and mm-hmm. got good at one job and mm-hmm. stayed in it for 18 years without... You know, and I did lots of things inside my job to further my knowledge in that job. Mm-hmm. 
but didn't further my knowledge. And I think that's why I get frustrated a lot because I didn't. I blame me getting angry quickly mm-hmm. on being uneducated because mm-hmm. that's where it comes from. Yeah. I'm frustrated because I don't understand. Yeah. And then, and then because because uh, I'm a dummy, I get angry. Do you actually believe, like, do you actually feel like you're dumb sometimes? Oh, yeah. Is that, like, an overall thing in terms of no, many overall. things? I'm pretty, I'm, I'm cluey. I'm smart. I'm streetwise. <laughs> <laughs> as long as, as you've got I'm not, edu- <laughs> I'm not educated. So a lot of things nowadays where in this high-tech, high fast-paced world, which mm. I hate, mm-hmm. there's so much, and I call it red tape for lack of knowledge, mm-hmm. everything's bound up in stuff where you just can't go and do something and get it done. Yeah. I hate waiting and I hate oh, ticking boxes to get so a, little, do I. a simple fucking job done. Patience, I don't me. have none. So, yeah, and, and that's, so I do encourage all the kids out there to, to keep educating outside the box. Mm-hmm. Do you feel... Your upbringing, it was that thing of your parents sort of taught you to go to school, get a job, and then stay in that job until, like, for instance, your retirement. No, not at all. My my parents were really, they were hoping that, that was me. That was all I wanted to do was leave school and get a trade. Okay. Um, Mum and Dad wanted to, Mum and Dad just wanted the best for me. I'm super blessed to have the most loving parents on the planet. Mm. Um, And positive and encouraging parents. Awesome. I couldn't ask for better parents. Um, everyone has their faults, of course, and um, but really, my parents were amazing. My upbringing was couldn't imagine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I had the best upbringing there ever was. So I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the I think parents, like obviously not being a parent myself, but from what I've learned, let's say along my journey, along my journey of therapy. I blamed my parents for so much for part of my journey. What is their fault? They told me to have kids. <laughs> so they said it was great. And then, damn it. <laughs> no, no. But no, I don't blame you did my say at the beginning, anything. you said you've got a lovely family, so don't. Um, but I think it's so easy to put blame on your parents for things in your life. But... In general, parents, and as humans, we're just constantly doing the best to our knowledge at that given time. Yeah. Yeah, with the exception of a few psychopaths on the world, no one wakes up wanting to be an arsehole. No, that's very true. So, um, you know, and even even with my kids, they probably think I'm pretty harsh sometimes, but yeah, they might be right, but they'll be better for it. Do you think you do it as a form of protection? Everything I do is to protect my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and to give them the best foot forward that I can give them for my ability mm-hmm. in, in, in my in Jacqueline and I's ability Yeah, as parents. It's the hardest thing in the world, being a parent. Oh, I know. It's probably why I don't want to do it. <laughs> I just, like, life would be so friggin' easy. If you didn't have children? Yeah. I just like would just be an absolute friggin' breeze. Mm. I think it's hard being parents. I look at my friends, I look at my clients, friends such as yourself, and I go, how the fuck 
do you do that? How do, how do, I mean, it's, I take my hat off to every single person that's a parent because it is not, from where I'm standing, yeah, an easy just job. Just because you've got kids doesn't make you a parent, just so. Well, that's true. But yeah, anyone that is a parent is is doing a good job. We hope. Hmm. I would always think. Well, that's, that's why I say that parent, just because you've got kids doesn't make you a parent. No. And then... Any Billy with a willy can have a kid. Very true. Whether or not they're going to actually parent properly is another story. You should have to have a licence to have kids. That would be an amazing thing, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? That would solve many destructions in the world, I reckon. Mm. Maybe not solve destruction. How would I say that? I think... What would be the word? Well, dumb people breed at a much faster rate than smart people. Well, they don't wrap it up. As much as what maybe smart Hence people I said do. Dumb people. <laughs> <laughs> I think how interesting would that be if there was a license to have children? Like if you had to qualify mm. to be a parent, I think society would be a much better place. Be interesting, wouldn't it? That's a fascinating concept. I'd never thought of anything like that, Daniel. I think about it all the time. On the main street of Bansdale, working on the main street of Bansdale all day. <laughs> You're like, not licensed, shouldn't, shouldn't be licensed, shouldn't be licensed. <laughs> you don't deserve to have that child. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. But the thing is, is this, like, this is, this is life, isn't it? Generally, we're born, we then grow up, and then we breed and we birth another human being and then it's just going to keep on going and going and going and going. Yeah, I think too many people get caught up in that. Uh, that little... Story. That little paradiddle you did then. Like, uh, you, uh, you're born, you go to school, you get taught a particular way, mm -hmm. you, uh, you breed, you, you know, you work, you die, mm -hmm. and it just can, continues on. <clears throat> it's what you do in between... With all that, isn't it? And and are you are you a are you are you a contributor to society? Mm -hmm. A positive contributor to society, or are you a taker? Um, yeah, a taker. Are you? And, and as contributors, it's our responsibility to prop those people up that mm -hmm. are unable to do it for themselves. Mm -hmm. For sure, but at what point uh, are we making it too easy for people to drop the ball mm -hmm. and kick back? Elaborate a bit more on that. Um, is it too easy for people to not contribute, to sit back and have a baby, get paid to have mm -hmm. a baby, mm. kick back and watch Netflix all day long? Mm -hmm. Smoking ciggies. Mm -hmm. On us who pay tax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So is it too easy now? I don't know. The people that are the people that are on welfare will tell you it's not and they're not getting paid enough. Mm. Um, but they actually I swear, I mean, of course, knowing well, me being from the UK is possibly very, very similar to Australia that Sometimes you'll actually find these people are actually on a are on a higher income, 
than those that work. How the heck does that work? I'm busting my balls off 38 hours plus a week for what I feel not enough. But yet people, like what we've just explained, get like double what I earn. How the fuck? Mm. That's what I mean. So that's my point. Mm. Are you a contributor mm-hmm. to a positive society or mm-hmm. are you a are you a waste of CO2? Mm. Have you always been somebody that's wanted to contribute towards the community? Because I see through here you give so much to the community, the events that you put on, the way that you welcome people into the studio, into the workshop, into the shop and, like... I see that. I think the, one of the first things I noted through you was just how welcoming you are and that you do that you do give, that you are a contributor. I can see that and I noticed that from you like from the first few moments that I met you or the first few times that I met you. Have you always been like that? So even like taking yourself back to being that sales, that car salesman, do you think you were as, as enthusiastic about contributing towards community, the world, as what you are now? Have things changed since you've had kids? Like, No, where- no I've always sort of... There's probably a, a period in my life where you always helped out. Always. I think if you're, you're a decent human if you're always helping someone. Mm. Um, there's probably a period in my life... Well, there was a period in my life where I was pretty loose. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, well, Jacqueline had a big part of, big part of, and, and you know, I say Jacqueline too, but my upbringing, my upbringing was probably ultimately what straightened me up or mm-hmm. made me see that, you know, if I didn't straighten up, I was Jacqueline wasn't going to hang around. And you wanted Jackman, so he's like, I better sort myself out. Yeah, I have to sort this out. Mm-hmm. But um, even when I was selling cars, it was all like, we were always doing something, you know, like even with Stewie Durham and doing and Link Kelly, some friends of mine, they sort of got me involved. You know, we did some stuff with Tour de Cure and, and some other friends. We did some stuff at the Peter Mac Foundation, which mm-hmm. was pretty rad. And, so, and other foundations and other things we did through the car industry, which mm-hmm. is always good. And and even my mentor in the car industry, you know, you'll never hear a word about it, but and a lot of people take the piss out of him too. But, you know, Shane Steenold of SS Auto, he gives a lot and he'll never, ever tell anyone about it or, mm. um, you know, you just don't know. Even, even some other pretty big names like um, Peter Dullard, the Dullard family, they give mm. a lot. And they never say anything. They don't say mm. anything to anyone about it. And, I think yeah. they're the people that are a bit more that are more down to earth, aren't they? They're more humbled. Very humble. You know, when you're not somebody, when you're somebody that doesn't go bragging about what you've done and um, what you've, what you're capable of, or what you may be having assets or whatever, they're the people that you would say are the humble ones. Yeah. Yeah, they don't need acolytes. No. What is it? Well, if you think about it, so many of us are looking for, let's say, validation, recognition, acknowledgement. And I think if you're really strong in yourself, you don't need, you don't search, you don't search for external validation because you've got well, that within really yourself. you're not really doing, you're not really doing someone else's solid if on the flip side of that, you're looking for accolades. 
you've really just done it for yourself. To make yourself feel better? Yeah. Do you think, though, because in a sense there's that, um, God, I thought there's this saying, something to do with, well, a lot of people say when you're when you do something good for somebody else, it makes you feel good, right? Oh, absolutely it does. Which is... So then it's a thing, isn't it? It's like, okay, do you, are, is one person doing that purely to make themselves feel good or are they generally wanting to do it because they want to do something and do something nice to somebody else? Do you know what I mean? So what well, I think th- the difference is that is it, whenever you do something kind, it absolutely makes you feel good. But then if you then turn around and tell 500 people mm. that you just gave Fliss 10 bucks to go and fill her car up, for, mm. the, for the day. Mm. Have, have you done it for Fliss or have you just done it so you could tell 20 people that you did mm. it? So I think that's the difference there. Mm. If you do it and you don't tell anyone, then it's still going to make you feel good. Mm. But no one else needs to know. No. i tell you one thing that I'm bad about. What? Telling people loads of stuff because I love talking about stuff. You're a hairdresser. I know, but <laughs> <A> barber, <laughs> barber. <laughs> no, but I. This is one thing I think my problem is, and this isn't meaning I tell people that I'm doing good stuff for other people, or the community, or whatever like that. But I'm guilty of sometimes being all mouth but no action. So I'll be saying that I'm going to do this or I'm doing this, and then nothing fruitions. Yeah, I know but, this is yeah, like but, a little yeah, bit of a different topic. Yeah, sometimes you can. You might you might say we're all guilty of that. There's no yeah. I'm going to get on my road bike tomorrow and I'm going to start riding my road bike again. Shit, it's Tuesday. I'm going to get on my road bike tomorrow and I'm going to start riding. Oh, shit, it's Thursday. <laughs> we all do that. Like we all do, but it's like someone trying to quit smoking. Mm. You can try and quit ten times, but each time you try and quit. You're getting closer to quitting. So mm. if you say you're going to do something 10 times or 20 times mm-hmm. and on the 21st time you do it, mm-hmm. you still did it. Mm. So, I don't know, why didn't you do it the first time? Well, maybe another idea popped in your head that was like, oh, maybe that would be better. Mm-hmm. There is that thing to – it's like starting the bike shop. Yeah. We, I, we remember being on a ride with – um, a few of our local legends one day. Yeah. And they were like, what would you like to do now? I said, I'd like to start a bike shop. Was this like, after you left the sales job? No, 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 still still deep in it. Okay. Um, they were like, what do you want to do with yourself? And I was like, ah, I wouldn't mind doing something for myself uh, and I wouldn't mind putting a dent in the community. And mm-hmm. they were like, what are you talking about? I said, I want to put a dent in the community. Like, how, how, well, how are you going to do that? I said, I want to start a bike shop. And they were like, oh, how's that going to work? I said, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've no idea how mm-hmm. it's going to work. Probably still doesn't work five years in. It's like it's it's ever-evolving. Yeah. So I spoke about it, but that was four or five years before I even started the bike shop. Yeah. So And we spoke about it a lot. Mm-hmm. But eventually I started the bike shop. Still don't know how it's going to work. Yeah. But it... One day I just woke up and went, fuck it, I've got to do this. Mm. And I had a really good opportunity to, to go to another business that was already working. Nothing to do with the bike shop. Right. 
Um, out of the sale, car sales industry or still? No, no, no totally different. Yeah, okay. So uh, it would have paid me much better than what I'm doing now. Well, like, let's be honest, a doll would pay me more than what I'm doing now. <laughs> um, but the sense of achievement wouldn't be there. Mm. And I feel like, you know, showing my kids that, you know, you can you can do stuff. Yeah. You don't have to do, you don't mm-hmm. have to stay in that mould. You can break, break out and do mm-hmm. something. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. One day you just wake up and go, you know what, I just have to start this. Yeah. And it'll evolve. Mm-hmm. And you'll figure it out along the way. Mm-hmm. Still haven't figured it out, but but you're doing it. But we're doing it. <laughs> that's the difference, right? Is so. the difference is actually starting it and doing it. And I think that's one of the hardest things is starting something. Yeah, it's in, in hindsight too. Once you start something, you go, "Shit, that was easy." Mm. Yeah. Well, that's so the same getting as getting to the start line. So Ryan Cross, I did a lot of training and. Ryan's a beautiful, beautiful human and, and a super, in, super intelligent and a massive influence on my life at one mm. period. And he used to always say the race doesn't start until you get to the start line and the hardest part is getting to the start line. I love that saying. So if you can get to the start line, you've already achieved it. Mm. The next thing is, you know, to run your race. Yeah. So... Yeah, Ryan, Ryan was pretty cool. Still is cool. So, <laughs> still, Ryan's still cool. Just in case you're listening, Ryan, you're cool. Um, so, is this the shop that we're in right now? Was this the first shop or have you grown? So, from the moment that you nah, decided to get shop. a bike shop, first shop. Yep, still here. The original. Six years in April. Really? Yep. Ooh. So what was your starting point then? So did you go, right, well, starting point would be I need to leave my job, right? But No. I, or I what did you do? How, how the was the arse. transition? I got the arse, actually. Which, you mean you walked out? No, no, I got sucked. Oh. I got made redundant. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I got made redundant Yeah. Um, from a job which I freaking hated, so I wasn't unhappy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was like, do you know what? I've worked my ass off since mm. I was 16. I'm going to have a little bit of a break mm-hmm. and just do some stuff, mm-hmm. figure out. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did a little bit of work for my brother and did a little bit of work for my dad and a little bit of work for some mates here and there and did the stay-at-home dad thing for a little bit and mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, it's not the easiest gig in the world to be a stay-at-home parent. What did you love about it and what did you, like, sort of dislike about it? Um, there was nothing I didn't not like about it. Mm. I loved it. Yeah. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I loved it. It was easy. Mm-hmm. It was, um, yeah, probably, like, and it was, yeah, it got to that point. I was like, all right, what do I want to do? Like, So girls were, the girls would have been, what, three and something? I feel a bit something? guilty about being a stay-at-home dad. What made you feel guilty? Not uh, not being the provider mm-hmm. or not trying to be the provider. Yeah. Jacqueline's the provider, let's be honest. Like, <laughs> she's, she's the one. <laughs> so, Shout out to Jacqueline. Yeah, she's an amazing human. Um, 
do you feel like that sense of feeling guilty comes with being a man and with society making out that guys should be the providers? Do you feel like that was slightly embedded in you from society? No, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, I don't think too hard about that sort of shit. I just felt like I should be out contributing to the families, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Probably but... not, probably not so much, yeah, not not guilty in that um, Jacqueline was the sole provider. Mm. It was probably more, oh, gee, I could be doing more. Okay. Um, so you felt like you wasn't doing enough, even though you was a stay-at-home parent. That within itself is, like, a big responsibility. No, it was easy. Just got up in the morning and cleaned the house and did the washing and went fishing or hunting. Or With the kids. Went bike riding. <laughs> no, they're at school. Oh, okay. Get them off to school. and. So how old was they at that point then? Mm, so they would have been uh, six and eight. Oh, school age, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So it was easy. I loved it. So how how did you go from it being It was probably in? too easy. That's why I felt guilty. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So then how Sorry did you... Sorry to all the state owned people out there. It's a hard gig. That's a hard gig. <laughs> Super hard gig. So. I think it can be. Maybe it would have been... It, it would have been. It's it would have been yeah, planet. but it would have been very different had of the girls been like babies and toddlers and would be at home like a hundred percent of the time. Got that, the, I definitely got the, the better deal. Do you know what I mean? Because Jacqueline would have done that from when they was little. Yeah, I wasn't changing shit. So you wasn't doing that. There we go. Okay, so you got the easy gig. You got, got the, the easy, easy part. That's what I'm saying. Hence why that. you're just like, oh, it's easy. I loved it. It was awesome. And <laughs> no wonder yeah. because you didn't do the fucking hard pit. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, not denying that. Not denying that at all, Jacqueline. I keep saying it. Jacqueline's the one. It's all Jacqueline. So this shop came up for rent, for sale. Like, how did you go from... It did sort of all fall in. So I put the business plan together. Mm. um, And like all business plans, they look shit hot on paper. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have to present that to a bank to get a loan or whatever. Yeah. Majority of the time. Yep. Yep, that's all true. And then it was just that we were looking around at a premises. We weren't in any hurry. Like, there was Mm. no time or wasn't as if I couldn't get work. I was working heaps Mm. um, just for lots of different people. And, yeah, it was really awesome. I had a good good bunch of friends all willing to give me some work if I needed it Mm -hmm. Um, and family. Uh, most importantly, but yeah, I just saw. I don't know, Ken. Ken was retiring. Shop. So he owned. Is Ken owned who owned one, this yeah. before? Yeah. Was it a bike yeah. shop before you took it on? No, this place like they did. It was a music store. Porter's Electrical. Oh. So they did electrical goods and repairs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. servicing, and and then they also had, um, like a record shop. CDs and all that sort of stuff, which was pretty great. I love going into record shops. Spent a fair bit of my youth in this. Nice. Oh, that's quite cute if you think about it. You used to come here in your youth and now you've took over the shop. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. And now you've made it this. Mm. Yep. Give you a little small town story. Mm -hmm. Fond memories. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Coming into the shop, chucking a CD in the thing, putting the earphones on, having a listen. It's pretty cool. We're actually talking about changing the name from Band Style Bikes to something else. Mm-hmm. Not bike related. Do you think that's because, of course, you do more than just bikes? If you think about it, you've obviously got the skate side of things, a little bit of retail. You've obviously got the studio in here as well. No, just to differentiate a little bit. And the cafe. We don't tell people about that, though. It's no cafe. (laughs) The Uh, coffee machine. It's just a coffee machine for the worker. (laughs) Just to, like, it's called Ben Style Bikes, right? Yeah. Which was really cool, and it worked well. When people come to East Gippsland, they go, oh, bike shop East Gippsland. Yeah. Ben Style Bikes just Boom. comes up. So that was a fairly strategic to mm. call it Ben Style Bikes. Mm-hmm. I think the way our business actually works and the way our bike shop, skate shop, way our little community works is that most people know we're here. We're not catering for $600 bikes. Mm. You know, like we do pretty high-end sort of stuff So and specific stuff so we don't really need to call it band style bikes because mm-hmm. you've got your audience you've got your community people know that you're here now yeah and bike riders coming into the town or coming to ride down in east gippsland mm. they'll recognize the brands that are on the wall mm. they know it mm-hmm. and there's nothing against the oldies in the town or the, you know around the place that are coming in to buy we don't sell streamers that go on your bars yeah we don't that's not us we, no. just, we just don't do, we can get them for it we just don't stock that stuff so we yeah we're thinking about changing the name calling it something different and porters keeps coming up into my head because mm-hmm. this place used yeah. to and has been called porters electrical for yeah 45 50 mm-hmm. years or however long porters electrical was here for so we still get people coming in going this used to be porters. This used to be porters. Oh, this do you remember you used to come yeah. and get records here? Yeah. So what about if you used to call it something like Porter's Bikes or do you still not want the association of bikes in the oh, name of it? Yeah, I don't know. And we, like, uh, come up with ideas of having records and CDs as wheels. Mm. And stuff. I just like the idea of it. A bit of a homage to Ken. Ken's a bike rider. Yeah. And he's been, the Porter family has been amazing to us here mm. since mm. we've been here. And, and so it'd be pretty cool, I think. To call it Porters again. What about if we got like a jukebox in here? There is a jukebox. You've not heard the music playing when you... <laughs> no, but I mean, you know the old-fashioned ones that you used to go up to and you then used to choose, put their music on, and then That's it would just like idea. go through. Do you know what I mean? That's a good idea because we have like... like t- t- This morning we had the Beatles playing and then we like we had Fat Boy Slim playing yeah. in the... And then we had some wage war playing in the afternoon and... So most people that know, like, they'll tell you, this music's terrible. Right? <laughs> you, know, you just change it or whatever. But and we, that's not a bad idea to have put something there where people can just go and change yeah. it. Yeah. But, and, you know, and that, like, people do whinge about we play heavy metal a lot and a lot of a lot of rap and hip-hop and a lot of house music and mm. it's generally always pretty loud. But, again, it's that... It's that me being breaking barriers down. Yeah. Because first thing people do, they look at you and go, what the hell's this music? And already there's a conversation already yes. started before they even think about it. And then all of a sudden, yeah, all the barriers are gone. So, again, not all the time. I don't know, maybe I do offend a lot of people. It's okay. 
You don't give a shit, though. Well, I do. I do. <laughs> People think I don't care, but I do. I think it's because you put up this sort of front, though, Daniel, sometimes. Yeah, I don't, do you know what I mean? I don't wake up in the morning and go, how many people can I offend no. today? No. Um, but at the same time, if you're offended by me, it's okay. Whatever. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Jog on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fine, you know. Yeah. I think, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Just That'd be interesting. You know what I love about this place? It reminds me of the old barbershop that I used to work back in the UK. Because we had the heavy metal, the rock music going on, and we had the skateboards up, we had the drum set to one side, sometimes yep. we'd have the Harley Davidson in the barbershop as well. Yeah. And I walked in here and automatically I just felt at home. Yeah. Because it gave me a sense of what I felt at back at home when I used to work in Man About Town. Yeah. Which by far have all the places I've worked in has been the best place. I loved it. I loved going there. I generally actually looked forward to going into that shop every day because I had stuff around me that I freaking love. Like, okay, I don't skate, but I find skateboarding interesting. I'm not a stunt woman, but I find stunts on bikes cool. Do you know, look, my brother, as you know, like I talk about Ryan yeah, all yeah. the time, my brother, he's obviously in the bike industry as yeah. well. So I walk in here and automatically I feel this sense of home. I feel more myself and empowered in an environment that's more masculine than the feminine side. And I definitely, for me, that is why I left the hairdressing side and transitioned over to the barbering side because in the barbering side, I was surrounded by the masculine energy. Yeah. More bloke, I could banter, I can do innuendos and completely be myself. Yeah. For me, I'm speaking on behalf of myself, not other females, because I think a lot of other females that are, let's say, more in their feminine energy, yeah. when they do walk into a shop, such as Bairnsdale Bikes, it's too masculine for them. Whereas for me, yeah. I think because I stand in a masculine energy with my confidence, with my persona or whatever, I arrive in this environment. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think at Bairnsdale Bikes, whether you change your name or whatever... You've got to stick to, actually, what's your personality? What is this shop's personality? Because if you go into a different direction, let's say, make it too feminine, well, that's not your personality here. No, it's never going to be a feminine touch. No, no. That's just not me. I don't like cuddles. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> Damn you, Daniel. I want hugs all the time. <laughs> yeah, this bloke doesn't. Um, we don't want to change the vibe. Yeah, we don't want to change the vibe. Like, no. our vibe's good. I don't think we're... I don't think it's... Intimidating. Masculine. Yeah, I don't... I don't to me, it's not intimidating. No. To our crew that comes in, but to new people to the scene, eh, maybe it might, might be a little bit intimidating, I guess, until... But I'm, we, we really try our hardest to make people laugh when they come in. Yeah. And, and feel welcome. piss, yeah. You will be taking the piss out of it. Don't think you're special if we're taking the piss out of you. We take the <laughs> piss out of everyone, including ourselves. So that's kind of what we do. Like, shouldn't, we try not to be that serious. Yeah, do you know what? I was literally just about to say that. I think that's one thing that you guys don't do here is you don't take things seriously. You have a laugh. You have a joke. You crack on with your day. Life's too hard and too stressful to walk into your local bike shop and be stressed out. Like, yeah, we're going to take the piss out of you and try and make you laugh. End of. End of story. Simple as that. I think you need a jukebox here. <laughs> yeah, well, we might, do, we might be doing it. We get a little bit of an idea. We, not jukeboxy, but we might be doing a 
concert soon. Out the back or actually in, in here? In the shop. Yeah, do you know what? Ryan does that at Ryan Bills Wills back in the UK. Yeah. In his workshop, he's got his drums because he plays drums, guitar and all of that lot. And he'll set up concerts. He gets all of his mates together who play live music yep. and gets a bunch of people around, has the barbie out the back and stuff. Yeah, that's what we it's can do. It's such a good vibe. So You just need your drum kit. Yeah, that can, that, that's all. Guitars, good. microphones. Well, here's your microphones. we got the microphones, that's cool. No, we'll make it happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Okay, so what's next for Bearsdale Bikes? Obviously, number one, thinking about changing the name. Number two, concert, but obviously you do all your little events. So is there anything else that you're like, yeah, I want to do that with this place? Well, we've decided that we would like to make some money. That would be helpful, wouldn't it? It would be helpful. It would be helpful for you to become the provider. <laughs> would be. Jacqueline, be nice. don't worry about going to work anymore. I'm uh, a millionaire. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be a millionaire. Oh, no, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, no, we've got a little bit happening in the pipeline. We've got some more events lining up with the mountain bike club as well we've got some more apparel coming out we got a little bit of some ideas for some changes in the shop we've just mm. nailed a couple of pretty exciting brands to the cross so nice they'll be in store very shortly or mm-hmm. one of them's here now which mm-hmm. is cool more events more events more events more events more racing do you think that's going to take you out of the shop more I think everyone needs to get out of the shop. Mm. Can't be inside four walls all the freaking time. Mm-mm, it's unhealthy. Um, That's what Tom and I was talking about earlier on. Yeah. So I know, I know Tom and I are hanging for the next DH race in Mount Beauty, so we can shut the shop for the weekend and head over to Mount Beauty and mm-hmm. do some do some work and then go do some hiking and yeah, go jump in the water. Should be good. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to taking Ruby over there. I know mm-hmm. Ruby loves Mount Beauty. Uh, I think Jacqueline and I are pretty keen to come over there too, which is nice. Is it actually called Mount Beauty? Yeah. By name and nature. Yeah. It's beautiful over there. Same same state, Victoria? Victoria, yeah. There's so many places I haven't been yet. It is magnificent mm. over there. So it's one of it's my favourite mountain in Victoria. Apart from Mount Taylor. <laughs> Apart from Mount Taylor. <laughs> Have you finished everything up there? No. Still going? Oh, yeah, that'll be going forever. Why? Well, it's just Just so evolving. much to do. Yeah, yeah that's evolving. true. Yeah, yeah. Ever evolving. So, yeah, well, that's another thing. I'm really excited for 2024 and building and adding on to Mount Taylor. That's mm-hmm. pretty exciting. It's probably yeah. one of the most things I'm excited about at the moment is building some more gnarly shit for our young crew. Nice. Yeah. I think that's good. one thing that I like with you is that you do so much for the youth in terms of when we were talking about getting more females involved with the bike industry the way that you sort of promote that and expand on that i think is going to be really really beneficial to the actual community here we did it like with amelia it's been Mm. really exciting and awesome watching amelia's growth this year Mm. Um, i like to think we had a little bit to do with that just Mm. Purely with the support and whatever Meals wants to do, but just yeah. help, helping her get on those wheels and and encouraging her to get out there and race more and yeah, and she's killing it. She's a weapon. I think I saw her ride at Mount Taylor that day that we was up there. Yeah, she's pretty good, isn't she's she? Very good. Yep. Even just her and her girlfriends—they're all really, really yeah. good. What do you think it is that creates a lower population of females in the? bike industry or, or riding racing etc do you think it is because it is a predominant male industry that it 
slightly puts younger females off of it. What do you see that prevents more females coming into it? I see lots of things. I spoke about this in in a podcast too. I had a husband and wife, Mm -hmm. son and daughter, Mm. and asked if the daughter was interested in riding, and the dad just said, oh, no, she's just happy to come and watch. Mm. I was like, well, that's all right. I said, if you ever keen on wanting to have a go, just sing out and I'll grab a bike and you could go for a ride with Ruby. Again, he shut me down and he sort of said, oh, no, she just happened to watch. I'm like, man, mm. I can ask her what she wants to do. Mm. So I don't think he meant to just go bang. You know, and I do think being the father of two girls, yeah. the, the first thing that you think about in the morning is protecting your daughters. Mm-hmm. From anything and anyone. Mm. So you never ever want to say, it's like, it's like my nephew, right, Bill? He, he breaks his arm or he breaks something or he hurts himself and we're like, you'll be right, Bill, brush it off. Mm-hmm. But then when Annie crashes her, my niece crashes her motocross and breaks her arm, and I'm like, oh, but could be any on yeah. you, cuddle you. I'm like, mm. what is that for? Mm. Why don't I just treat her like Bill? Mm. So I think it is that male... The world is predominantly trying to protect their females, but then I don't. I don't know. I'm really conscious of that at my house. I encourage my kids to do dumb shit. Mm-hmm. Not dumb, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. Go out there, like fun. explore, have fun. Yeah, yeah. Adventure. Yeah. Adventure. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. I think there is a fair bit of that. Goes. I don't. Yeah, I just don't know what the answer is, and I think it is. The area we're in too, you know, like mm-hmm. our, you know, the podcast that Dre and I do is This Is Our Life podcast where yeah. we are here. There is so much to do. We just had Carrie R. Sam on our podcast who I think is incredible and inspiring as a mm-hmm. female mm-hmm. in this country area and she lives and breathes it. She's a horse rider, she's a mountain biker, she's mm-hmm. a hiker, she's a ski rescuer. She's got so many hats that she wears and it's all come from growing up in this area and yeah. enjoying the things that this area has provided up. Mm-hmm. So I do wonder whether we've just got so many things that we can draw on that our female population are just spread, mm-hmm. whether you go over to Mount Beauty or to Bright mm-hmm. and the girls in the mountain bike scene and there's so many of them. Really? Heaps. It's really good. Huh. But it does seem to be that's the sport over mm. there. If you grow up in Mount Beauty or Bright, then you ride mountain bikes mm-hmm. or you ride horses, mm-hmm. you hunt, mm. you paddle. Mm. It's like you're, you're a product of your environment, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you're in Melbourne, you go and hang out at bloody Chadston Shopping Centre and <laughs> punch your lips full of saline or something. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I think though, in general, <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you get... yeah, absolutely. I do think generally in sport, it is predominantly a male thing. Do you know what I mean? You look at soccer, actually, the men's soccer is women's far greater soccer's... than women's soccer. You don't hear much of the women's soccer, we know that it goes on, but it's not, yeah. As so, I do wonder, pre- problems... predominant, but that's just bums on seats, isn't it? Yeah, so that's like. So let me put it to you this way. So if you went to, let's say you were into motorsports and on the same night there was a drag race Mm -hmm. on and it had blown alcohol, top fuel cars with 2,500 horsepower, 5,000 horsepower, whatever they're putting out. Mm -hmm. And the noise is 
the noises and experience like you'll never hear again. Yeah. And 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 at the same night, there was another drag race going that had electric cars mm. going down there that made no noise and mm-hmm. no rumbling and no nothing. Which one? Which one's going to put bums on seats? Well, making the noise, of course. Correct. Yeah. So I guess. I guess that when you watch the football, super generalising here. Mm. Women just aren't as strong. They're not yeah. as athletic. Yeah. And they can't jump as high. And that's that that's just how it is. Mm. It's just the genetics. But then you play to your strengths, I guess. So you watch the women's skateboarding. It's yeah. insanely good. Mm. It's incredible. The women that are coming out skating at the moment are almost matching it to the boys. They are incredible. They've been given a platform mm-hmm. and I and I I don't know how long women's skating, but it seems in the last 10 to 15 years women's skating has gone through the roof, mm. which is awesome. And I imagine that women's football is only going to get better and better and better and yeah. better. But how many hundreds of years is it going to take for mm. genetics for women to catch up to men's strengths and men's mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. speed and agility and all the rest of it, you know? Women have this ability to give birth. Men don't. Yeah, yeah. There's, there was, oh God, I think it's this poet called Adam Adam Rower or think something like that, and he was like basically doing a poem about how women feel something so different to men because women grow a baby they actually feel a soul inside of their body and men are never ever ever gonna understand that and he was saying that women will will feel such a different kind of love that men will never understand yeah because that's that's literally the biggest difference between men and women isn't it is women can birth a child carry a child for nine months birth a child and men will never know what the heck is that like i mean even though i've not had children i've probably still again have a very different sense of love and affection and got that motherly nature and tune into energy and intuition very mm. differently to what guys do i don't think That's guys true. there's always the exception to there the is rule. yeah always men are men women are women you know yeah yeah so yeah yeah i don't know like it get back to the point the point is it's bums on seats isn't Mm, it yeah so what sells bums on seats yeah it's what sells the more bums on the seats the more you want to join in because you don't want to miss out yeah like you ever look at i remember being a teenager and someone said to me have you seen the women's gridiron Hmm. And I said, no, never, I've never watched a game of gridiron, let alone women's gridiron. Hmm. And they're like, yeah, the women play in laundry. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck are they playing in laundry for? Men don't play. Well, they kind of play in spandex over there in America. Yeah. Fucking sucks. But um, why? Oh, it sells. Yeah. Because, what, it's sexualized. Do you know what I mean? Sex sells. Yeah, unfortunately. And it's always the women's bodies 
Well, to be fair, generally, much I mean, better looking. Come on, yeah, women's bodies. bodies are so much nicer. <laughs> <laughs> I check women out more than I do men. I think sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it is that thing, isn't it? Is women's bodies are more sexualized because I, yeah, I mean, they are so much more beautiful to look at than men's bodies. Agreed. Do you know what I mean? Well, of course you're going to agree. <laughs> but you're right, it is sex sells. And, you know, it is unfortunate that we are in that that world where, unfortunately, women are sexualised. Well, we live in a world where if it hasn't got a dollar sign attached to it, it does not matter. No. Like... Like the green movement. Oh dear me, that's like bringing us back cars, around, isn't it? Electric cars, we're going to save the world with electric cars. Fucking electric Do you know cars. what, actually, you saying Killing that you don't the like planet. the Greenies, I actually, when I was voting back in the UK, I actually voted for the Green Party because I didn't want to vote left and I didn't want to vote right. So I was like, well, I'm going to go in between and vote for a party that might actually be doing good for the world. I'm not a political person, so I just voted for the Green Party because I thought they'd want to be doing good for the people. But who knows? I'm not good with politics anyway. We've gone through so many different topics. That's what I do. We digress all the time. I get in trouble for digressing. But isn't that what makes a conversation interesting? Do you know what I mean? What makes a conversation interesting? Otherwise, you're just going to continue with the same conversation. Talk about the weather and holidays. Can't stand those mediocre conversations. Surface level conversations, Daniel. That's what they're called. Surface level. Surface level conversations. Oh, how's the weather? <laughs> Stand it. Did you see oh the weather God. before today? Oh, isn't <laughs> the weather awful outside? Oh, isn't it lovely and sunny? Yes. I mean, have you not lived a summer before? That's why I love it when people come into the shop and go, what is this god-awful music playing? Because it's a conversation starter. Yep, and it's different than how's the weather. Are you proud of what you've created here? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. The thing I'm most proud of is my family and the bike shop building this community is mm. continuing to build it and mm. con- constantly wanting to make it better and make mm. it viable and giving other people a platform Yeah, is, is the most thing I'm the most proud of Yeah, so far. Big things to come, more things to come. Yeah, there is. There's way more in the pipeline. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Awesome. Thanks, Liz. That's a wrap. Yeah. Oh, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did talking to Daniel. If you want to hear more from him, go check out his podcast called This Is Our Life Podcast with Dan and Dre and keep your ears and eyes peeled to see what's in store for Bairnsdale Bikes. Links will be in the bio. On next week's episode, I welcome Tony, a health coach who was once over 100 kilograms and on his way to a metabolic disease. He changed his path when he decided to make life-changing habits to better his health and happiness. He now helps people optimise their full body wellness and inspires people to get out in nature, natural sunlight and moonlight, get better sleep, move their body and eat holistically. As always, stay tuned and stay real. Join me every Wednesday for a wholeness podcast. I'll catch you real soon. Peace, love and light.